Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of On the Links podcast. My name is Chris Weber, and today we're, we're going to talk about what happened at the AT&T uh, Byron Nelson Championship down in the TBC Craig Ranch. Uh, we'll also tee up the PGA Championship. Uh, we'll make our picks, who we like uh, for the championship. Uh, we'll also uh, do some fun uh, fun little things uh, following. Uh, maybe do a fantasy draft of, of the golf clubs in, in a bag. Um, and uh, maybe talk about some other uh, interesting things that's happening on, on the PGA Tour. So if you're interested in hearing more podcasts and more other videos, you can check us out on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also check us out on our socials on Instagram and Twitter, which will be linked in the description. And let's get into it. So the Byron Nelson uh, finished up on Sunday, and it was uh, kind of a, a runaway at the end there. Uh, KH Lee uh, won. And, I mean, first of all, like, what an interview afterwards. You can tell he's struggling with, with the language, and he, he's able to come through with it. Like, that just, like, he, he deserves a lot of credit for for attempting to do that interview in a foreign language. I, I can't imagine a lot of people would would uh, be able to, to manage through that. And when he stumbled, he he still kept composure. And, I mean, that just kind of endears it to, to the fans to, to see him kind of struggle like that and work through it. And... I mean, congratulations! First, first one on on tour, uh, and he's going to the PJ Championship next weekend, which is which is awesome, and we look forward to seeing him there. Uh, so he won uh, twenty five under. Uh, kind of ironic for what we're going to be talking about later, but I mean, it doesn't seem like uh, the course was putting up much of a fight this weekend. Uh, lots of rain on on Sunday, which. Uh, which kind of hampered things a little bit on that final round, but a six under final round is is very very uh, impressive. See, uh, Kaziri shot nine under. Uh, Daniel Berger uh, shot eight under. But in, in all in all fairness to to this tournament, um, a lot of the big names weren't weren't present. A lot of them were at uh, South Carolina getting ready for the PJ Championship. Which is destined to be to be a great uh, great tournament. The the weather looks phenomenal. Looks like uh, all the big names are going to be there. Looks like Dustin Johnson might be might be back in his uh, major major form. Rory's returning to where he blew away the field in, in 2012. Uh, and we got a lot of we got a lot of good uh, opening pairings this this weekend. And you know, like this the South Carolina course, like the ocean course at uh, Kiowa, it is just phenomenal. I mean, if you if you look at some of the reviews on this course, it is astounding. Like, so uh, it's a Pete Dye designed golf course. So the PJ Championship has been played here before, and. Uh, it was won by Rory McIlroy, who won by eight shots, which is just incredible. I mean, uh, Lee won this tournament by by three strokes, and it was kind of a blowout. But yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be hosted at Kiowa. Uh, 
one of the one of the key things about this course is that uh, it's mentioned on on one of the reviews on their website is that there's no prevailing winds on the course, which is pretty interesting. It means like no no shot's gonna have a a helping wind, and uh, that's pretty astonishing considering where the course is located, right on the on the ocean, and to have to have that uh, always in the back of your mind, thinking wow like if the wind kind of kicks up here we're gonna we're gonna have some difficult difficult shots there there's been times on on the course that uh, the wind has actually made you play eight clubs up and it's it was deemed to be one of the most wind affected uh, courses in in north america and i mean it, it's got the at accolades galore it's ranked the fourth best public course it's ranked the 25th best among the 100 greatest U.S. courses. And the tees that they're going to be playing this week is 7,849 yards. Uh, it has a rating of 79.1 and a slope of uh, 155. And it's it's going to be challenging for, for these players. I mean, a lot of, a lot of majors now are... Uh, are shorter than that. The U.S. Open's 7,500 yards, but that's also a par 70. The the Masters is uh, 7,600. Like th this course is going to be playing pretty long, and uh, we're going to have some good weather for it. Luckily for for all the players and everyone involved, it's going to be hot and sunny on Thursday and Friday with some light winds, uh, and then on the weekend it's supposed to be about. 12 miles per hour, 20 kilometers an hour uh, on the weekend, which which should make fit for uh, some good scoring conditions. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a real good tournament. Uh, they, they just released the, the featured groups. So we got uh, Kepka, Thomas, and McElroy uh, teeing off at 8.33 on Thursday and then uh, at 2.09 on on Friday, uh, the Fennie champion Colin Morikawa with DeChambeau and Matsuyama uh, at 8:45, which is a great combination. I mean, you got you got Morikawa who doesn't hit hit the long ball, but is the defending the PGA Championship. DeChambeau, the defending U.S. Open Championship, and the Matsuyama who just won the the Masters Championship, all in the same group, which which means that it's going to be a, a very uh, very talented and very uh, very hungry group. You got Spieth, uh, Webb Simpson, and Zalatoris at at uh, one fifty eight on Thursday, and then team back up at eight thirty three on the morning on Friday. You have Rom Reed and Tommy Fleetwood at uh, one twenty five on Thursday and at eight a.m. on Friday. Uh, Ricky Fowler, uh, Adam Scott, and Terrell Hatton at seven thirty eight on Thursday. And at one uh, one o'clock on the Friday, the last feature group <laughs> features uh, Phil uh, Phil Mickelson, Jason Day, and Padraig Harrington, and they tee off at one fourteen, and they go back out on Friday morning at seven forty nine. So, the the feature groups uh, obviously we don't have uh, Tiger, uh, who we all hope for a speedy recovery and come back to the game of golf which would be awesome to have him back. But 
the the feature groups there, there's a good mix i mean i think kind of the the groups to watch are definitely that kepka thomas and mcelroy group i mean those guys just have that championship pedigree all three of those guys have won pga championships in the past kepka's won two of the last three years mcelroy's returning to where he won his first pga championship and you got thomas who's looking like one of the one of the stars coming up and definitely is a star in the game right now and looks like he's going to be challenging for to be that major presence on the on the majors for years to come uh, so so this group will definitely be probably one of the most watched groups uh, you got Morikawa, DeChambeau and Matsuyama all teeing off together I'm not sure if you remember this uh, when the PGA Championship was later in the, in the season, one of the last uh, majors to go out, or sorry, the last major to go out, but they always had that year's winner. It was a great tradition to have the Masters Championship, the Master Champion, the Open Champion, and the U.S. Open Champion all play in the same group uh, for the final major. And they're kind of going back to that this year because we had kind of the stoppage and we still have that feel where we have that previous or that that year's champions all in the same group which is awesome to see and to see it from from guys that are that are so deserving of it i mean matsuyama has been been close a couple of times and then you got dechembo who's maybe changed the game the way we think about uh, how we play a golf course uh, and it's kind of filtering through to all the players about just hitting it farther hitting it doesn't really matter if you hit it on the fairway or not as long as you have that shorter club in it, it's going to be worth it and he really showed that in the u.s open at Wingfoot when the fairways were were as narrow as could be it really didn't matter because he was hitting a wedge in when other everyone else was hitting a seven iron or or six iron in and then you got morikawa who really broke through at the pga uh last year that that one tee ball on hole 16 just nice little fade up to up to the hole what a shot that is and like what a clutch eagle that he had there hopefully he's able to to come back at that although not sure how he's going to handle this this kind of length of course with his distance but i mean he's a guy that he he's won at at almost all levels and he hasn't had to hit the long ball at all these levels so he, he definitely has a game that, that that can win here um going into uh spieth simpson and zal torres i mean jordan spieth th this year might be the most consistent golfer that that's on the pga tour he he's finished top 10 in in a, quite a few events um it's only really missed that uh, the cut at that Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, I believe it was the Farmers Insurance Open this year, and I mean he's he's really turned his game around. Uh, he's 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 really able to convert some of these putts. I mean he might be one of the most frustrating golfers to watch, and one of the golfers that you just can't take your eyes off. The way the way he talks with his caddy is just phenomenal like it i feel like i'm there when I, whenever i'm watching it and when he had that uh that shot on, on the par five with the grass right in front of his ball and he was talking to his caddy about what what shot he likes and like i mean 
it's unbelievable. This guy's talking about hitting a flop. Uh, I think it was a three wood or a hybrid. 245 yards the hole, hoping that uh, he's able to to carry the water short, and he hits an amazing shot. Just absolutely incredible. I think most people are were astounded that he was able to able to get the ball to the hole considering the the grass he had to go through and he just hit a perfect shot I I mean I, I'm just I, I still can't believe that he hit it that well and then in, in true Spieth fashion he he uh, left the left the putt a little low on the on the eagle try which doesn't really matter because he sunk the birdie and uh, shot a nine under on the first day uh, incredible what what a round that was and he was missing some short short birdie putts unfortunately too which you never you never want to see but he was making these these beautiful beautiful hits like he probably could have could have shot even lower than he actually did but he he kind of faltered the the next day uh, and unfortunately he, he just wasn't in at the golf course was just playing was just playing too good uh, to shoot uh, one under or two under, you you have to shoot six unders to, in order just to be in contention uh, coming on to Sunday. So overall, I think it was a good week for for Spieth. I think he he looks he looks to be in really good form going into uh, going into the PGA Championship. And I mean, here at uh, on the Links podcast, like we're, we're huge Spieth fans. Uh, we'll love we'll love to see him do well and. We'll love to see him compete out there and hopefully hit some some good shots like that. So we got more stuff to talk about next week. But going into uh, uh, other other people that we like for for the for the tournament, something about Webb Simpson to me. I don't know what it is. He he plays well in in South Carolina. He won at uh, Harbor Town uh, last year at the RBC Heritage. He I just feel like he's due. He uh, he hasn't won a major since his first at the U.S. Open. I, it kind of seems like he's always in in that hunt in, during the majors. Uh, he might be a good value pick if you're in a pool uh, later on. He just there's just something to me about him and how this course is set up that I just like. I I think I think he's gonna do really well here. He's playing good right now. So I, I think he might be uh, might be a, a person to watch, but overall I think if I'm going to pick one person to win, I I don't know how you can't go with uh, Justin Thomas or, or Rory McIlroy. Like those two guys are just just incredible golfers. I I would say McIlroy just because he's got that those good vibes from from his previous win here. I think he's someone that ha- he has the distance for this kind of length of course um, he has all the aspects of the game like there's not there's not a whole lot of trouble if you if you don't drive it straight off the tee here like i think he just just has it and then he's also in a group that's really going to push him really going to make sure that he he goes after it and uh, attacks some pins because you know that justin thomas and brooks are are going to attack those same pins so I think I think I think Rory's the guy to watch here, but I mean, it's really it could be anyone. Uh, 
it's it's going to be a, a great tournament, that's for sure. Going into this week, Jordan Spieth has a real good chance at completing the career Grand Slam by winning the PGA Championship. He's set up good this week, and the course is just hitting him at the right time as he's been hot with a couple top 10s and a win so far this season. Really in good shape to compete here. Betting odds going into this week's PGA Championship. So they have Roy McIlroy with the best odds. Rom at 15 to 1, Spieth at 15 to 1, and Justin Thomas at 15 to 1 as well. They got Bryson uh, DeChambeau at 17 to 1, Dustin Johnson at 17 to 1, and then Victor Hovland, who's another guy that I didn't mention earlier that has been playing really well uh, and should be in for a little breakout at, at a major. Uh, is ranked at 19 to 1. Like I mentioned before, Webb Simpson, who's a real good value pick for the PGA Championship, is rated as 41 uh, to 1 odds. I think he's he's someone to to look out for. I just I just like the way he plays, and I think he he really does have a chance. So moving on now, we're going to be talking about some other news that's been in. The, the golf world. Uh, we're going to start with talking about the NCAA uh, championship. Uh, the women's regionals in Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana, and how it was cancelled. So, basically, I, I mean, when someone says to me a course isn't championship level, I'm thinking, like, there's divots everywhere, there's there's holes in the greens, like, like I'm thinking of things that will actually make the champ the course unplayable i'm thinking of just construction i'm thinking of i'm thinking of like like just someone driving a bulldozer basically through the course so when when they came out and said that the course was playable that was that was a huge problem for me and i think it was a huge problem for everyone in the golf world that uh, that even watched that press conference about how we how they were canceling the, the region and basically, I, like I understand the so what happened was there was uh, the regional finals uh, for for the women's NCAA uh, to get qualified to be qualified for the national championship, and it was twelve teams and top six teams make it, as well as the top three individuals that aren't on that team. So, the season matters, and the one thing you can't discredit is they did the most fair thing possible for, for considering the circumstances and considering the actions that they, they took, because you're not going to do a lottery for someone that's worked so hard in the season to put themselves into that first or second or third spot to get to qualify for nationals. But I, I just have a huge problem with, with not playing the, the championship. It's happened in the past. The, the PGA Tours uh, shortened the, the 2011 Barkley Championship to, to three rounds uh, because of rain. And with some of what the coaches have said from that tournament, uh, there hasn't been a lot of good communication uh, for why, why they didn't play at least a couple holes. So 
part of the NCAA process is that the national championships must be uh, set at least nine days before at, at a minimum and this regionals was was hosted on that eleventh, uh, tenth, and ninth day. So there, there was no wiggle room in, t in in case the tournament got rained out or, or anything like that. So what happened was they delayed the tournament until it was the last possible day, and that's when they made the announcement. And they didn't say any like that they were they actively were looking for other other venues to, to host it because there was too much water on this course they weren't saying that they were gonna kind of eat into that nine day buffer in order to in order to redo the the regionals they just kind of ended it so the coaches have said that there, there were seven inches of rain which obviously meant that the course was was pretty saturated but the the coaches mentioned that it was only one hole that was going to need to be kind of shortened uh, so they were going to turn the the part four that was had a lot of water on it into a part three to completely eliminate the the need for water which which has been done before every u.s open part five but the the ncaa came out and said that the reason they didn't want to uh, play the play the course or play the championship on that course was because the bunkers weren't uh, at a level that was that was enough to be a factor. So they were worried that balls that were hit into the bunker would just be casual water and would have to be played as ground under repair, which would mean a free drop from it. And from this, you couldn't you couldn't decide the best player because there was well, there was no no problems with hitting it in the bunker. You were just getting a free drop. So. I can understand that. I mean, anyone that that that's listening that that's hit out of a bunker can can tell you that a bunker can really mess up your round. But I mean, it's it's the last chance that these that these girls had to play before the before the national championship end date. Like, the best golfers are going to be the best golfers, whether they hit out of a bunker or they hit out of the fairway or they hit out of the rough. There's no real explanation to say that we're not playing because we can't hit out of the bunkers. Everyone's been to been to golf courses where they they've paid a, an outrageous amount of money to play that quote championship level course and they've just been dissatisfied with it. And I think like you're gonna have tournaments that, that just aren't at that same level like the 20 the 2020 masters was was that the justin johnson just tore the course up i mean and like what is he what is he supposed to do just not hit just not make the putts like he's just playing the course everyone's playing the same course you're going to get the best player out of the field and i think dustin johnson was the best player on the field and that's why he won so to say that the caliber of the course is isn't going to decide the winner is just it's just not a fair fair statement to say, especially especially for for a regional competition. And then you have like a, a personal side of this, where you have seniors. This hasn't been a normal year for anyone, and you have these seniors 
wanting to play maybe this might even be their last golf tournament ever uh, they might be moving on to a different aspect they not not all of these girls are going to qualify for for pro women's tours whether that be here or in Asia or in Europe you they trained all year they played all year to have a chance you got to give them that chance you got to give them some closure to their career they got to know that that was the best that they could do and I think taking away that last day of competition just it just it just doesn't sit right so I think the NCAA should should fix this uh, there's no way that they can fix it now because the national championships is supposed to be next weekend but I this just doesn't sit, sit well with me and I don't think it sits well with a lot of golfers and I think the NCAA lost a lot of respect from people because they did this but on a, on a more positive note uh, so there's some US Open qualifiers happening and uh, there's some US Open news so uh, Phil Mickelson uh, it was announced this week that Phil would get a exemption into the US Open because he's been such a, a great ambassador for the game of golf uh, he's been such a such a good golfer in that tournament he's been uh, the record for most runner-ups which is painful to say because I am a big Phil fan um, and it's it's great to see that uh, he is getting an exemption into this tournament however as a Phil fan it's it's tough to see that uh, he's not at that same level and although he's getting the exemption I'm not sure if Phil is going to be in contention uh, he wasn't in contention last year he, he missed the cut and I'm really worried that his chances for that uh, for the Grand Slam is is starting to falter and I mean he might be the guy that's most deserving of getting that uh, getting the Grand Slam he I've never seen someone be so close at completing something and then just keep on hitting the wall and just not being able to get over it and to see him win I think that would really be a great thing for for golf someone that 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 story where he was so close so close so close and he just grinded and grinded and grinded until he finally made it and finally won and this will would make him one of the older uh major winners if not the oldest if I'm not mistaken um, major championship winner which would be a great thing to see and I'd be so happy for Phil and kind of really would cement his name up there with Tiger and being one of the best golfers to ever play also in US Open news the regional qualifiers or sorry the local qualifiers for the US Open are uh, currently being uh, being played and there's 8,680 competitors, and there's 500 spots in the in the final qual qualifying stages, which is supposed to start on May 24th. And this is obviously for the U.S. Open to play to be played this year in uh, San Diego, California, at Torrey Pines. We already saw Torrey Pines earlier this year, and 
that course is looking very nice it's looking to be a, a great course to play and really excited for that tournament I think the USGA is gonna make that course play as hard as it could so in these local qualifiers uh, you have to have a, a 1.6 index or to be able to even sign up for a local qualifier and there's a story coming out of uh, Orange Tree Golf Club in uh, Florida and there's a 13 year old who shot two under at his US Open qualifier uh, at Orange Tree Golf Club so his name is Lev Greenberg he's from the Ukraine and he shot a 270 uh, to move on to the next stage of the US Open qualifying and when we say he qualified he he qualified in one of the five uh, spots not as a first alternate or second alternate which is incredible I mean I remember when I was playing golf at 13 I wasn't even close to shooting shooting under par and this guy shooting two under uh, qualifying in the US Open uh, playing tees that are just ridiculous I mean I was looking at the the Orange Street Golf Club and the the rating on it is just absurd is rated as a 74.0 with a slope of 141 uh, it's well over 7,000 yards and this guy's 13 and he's shooting two under I mean, I mean show me someone that's shooting that score at that age and I'll show you a prodigy um, so he's He's qualified for his his final qualifying, uh, which will be played in, in a couple weeks. And he shot uh, one over on the front nine with uh, one birdie, two bogeys, and shot a three under 33 coming in uh, in order to, to qualify. Uh, it looks like he must have been in a playoff uh, uh, in order to qualify. And it's really incredible that that he was able to do that he if he's able to qualify for the US Open he would become the youngest uh, ever to play in a major championship uh, which would be to Andy Zhang who holds the record at the US Open uh, when he played in the 2012 US Open uh, at just 14 years old uh, at the Olympic Club which is where uh, Webb Simpson won uh, his his US Open. He would be younger than uh, Guan Tilang, Tilang, I think that's how you say it, uh, who was the youngest person ever to play in a major, who played in the 2013 Masters, where he made the cut, so he's also the youngest player to ever make a cut in a major, where he finished tied for 58th at plus 12, uh, unfortunately not breaking par once, so there's a great chance that uh, he might not make it but on that on that chance that he does I mean that would just be incredible I mean I think that would really grow the game kind of to, to young people saying like you can be young and succeed in this golf this isn't an old man's game this isn't an old, old woman's game this can be done by kids kids can play in these major championships and I think I think golf is really going to grow uh, I think that showing how good someone is at such a young age and the kind of impact they're going to have on the professional level is going to be something that we're going to see kind of 
really grow the game in that younger generation to hear about how well he may or may not do or even how far that he's gone so far is just it's just something that's gonna be really good Lev had an interview uh, with the Golf Channel and on the Golf Channel he made one of the best uh, quotes uh, and it's probably going to be on some kind of screensaver soon uh, right up there with uh, Talladega Knights, Ricky Bobby uh, where there's only two places there's first and there's the rest uh, and he was asked that after uh, the comment on on his after his score and he sounded like he was unsatisfied with finishing uh, tied for fourth which I mean you shoot two under at 13 to qualify and move on in in the US Open qualifiers like I I think that's pretty good anything can happen once you're once you're there uh, and I mean good on him to not not be not be satisfied with 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 the qualification and saying you know what like I want to I want to take my game to the next level I want to I want to do really well at that next qualifier and like let, let's hope that uh, that that he does qualify and that'd be that'd be really cool all right to end this episode of on the links we're gonna do a couple interesting little things uh, this is a game that's a great thing to play if you're just messing around with some buddies uh, at the course with only only an hour or so to play uh, can, this can be done with uh, two golfers three golfers four golfers uh, and basically just do a fantasy draft of what's in the bag so uh, we're gonna do a little fantasy draft on here um, I'm gonna kind of rank the clubs and their what I deem to be their value uh, and this is going to be a standard 14 club bag and I guess we'll do it for three people one's named is Gary one name is Mike and the other guy is Dave so Gary is person one and he's going to draft first and it's going to be a snake draft so the draft order will go Gary Mike Dave the clubs in the bag are driver, three wood, two iron slash hybrid, four iron, two pitching wedge, 52 degree wedge, 56 degree wedge, 60 degree wedge, and a putter. So the most viable club in the bag has got to be the putter. Putter is the only club that you're likely going to use on every hole unless there's a chip in. So there's the highest probability that that club will be used. So with the first pick, Gary is going to draft the putter. Mike, he's got the second pick. And the next most valuable club is probably going to be at the 60 degree wedge. Because the odds of you hitting every single green uh, is, is fairly unlikely. So you are going to have to chip. And there's also a, a good possibility that you're going to have that short wedge shot into, into the green. Which the 60 degree is going to, going to really help with. So Mike's going to draft the 60 degree. Dave now has uh, a choice. And he probably is in the best situation out of all three. Because he can take uh, two of his needs and draft it back to back. And not worry about it. 
So he needs something to chip with, something that's going to be able to manipulate so if he has no green to work with, he can have it hit the green and stop, hit it high, have something that he can hit relatively full swing from a shorter yardage. So he's going to take the next shortest club, which is the 56 degree wedge. Now, since they're also playing par fours and par fives, it's going to be important to get some distance off the tee. The odds of you hitting driver on every single par four and par five is, is fairly small because there are some holes where that are dog legs where you need to hit to position rather than to hit it as far as you can. So Dave's going to also draft the three wood and he's going to be set up really nicely because he's got the distance off the tee and he also has a club that he can manipulate around the green. Mike is going to go for the same strategy. He's not going to take the driver here. Although he has the shortest club, the driver is just not a valuable club because you can only hit it from the tee. The two iron and hybrid he can hit in off the tee. He can also hit in from a from a par five uh, in order to try to get the home in two. So the two iron slash hybrid is going to be is going to be what he's going to draft, and that's going to be the most value for that pick. Gary is in a really tough position right now. Although he drafted the most valuable club in the putter, he doesn't have anything that he can chip with. And unfortunately, the uh, highest degree wedge that's left, the 52 degree wedge. And so he needs that in order to make sure that he's able to, to chip around the green. He now needs distance off the tee. He has a, a shorter wedge in. The driver still isn't that valuable to him. Like there's still a four iron that's available. Four iron's going to probably be the best play for him. So he's going to drop the four iron. Mike, he has the 60 degree and the two iron. He needs that mid, that longer to mid-range shot into the green. He's got the eight iron, nine iron, and pitching wedge available for those kind of shots. Uh, he probably wants to draft a club that he's going to be hitting on the par threes. So if you're playing some short par threes, or maybe mid mid range par threes, the the nine, uh, eight, or seven is going to kind of fluctuate. But the course that we're playing has some short par threes, so Mike's going to draft the eight iron, or sorry, the nine iron. Now Dave's in the same spot. He has a fifty six degree wedge, so he's covered around the greens. He has the three wood, so he can hit off the tee. He needs that mid range shot, so he's going to take the eight iron. And the 8-iron here is pretty much the same as Mike, where it's just basically he needs a club that he can hit in on the par 3s that's going to be able to get him to the hole or perhaps lay up on some par 5s or hit into the greens on the par 4s. So the 8-iron is a good play. He's also going to draft a pitching wedge. And since he has one of the longer clubs off the tee, it's possible that he's going to have some shorter shots in. So the P wedge is going to be something that's going to be more more usable in his scenario than probably the other two guys' bags. Now, Mike has a choice here. He can try to get extra distance off the tee, but he already has the third longest club. He probably needs something for putting. He doesn't really have anything that, that he could use for that. And... He probably has to decide between the 6 and the 5 iron. Again, that that difference doesn't really 
that doesn't really help him in any way, whether it's the six or the five. But he doesn't have that that long iron, so I'm gonna say that he takes the five iron. Now Gary's in the same situation that Mike and Dave were in last round, where he doesn't have that iron into the green. He has the putter, he has the fifty-two degree wedge, and he has a four iron off the tee. But he doesn't have that that short iron in. The shortest iron that's left is the seven iron and it's really all he has so he's going to drop the seventh iron seven iron and then to try to make sure that he doesn't have to use uh, a seven or a four iron into the greens we're going to have to say that he takes the driver there's no point in him drafting uh, that six iron so because he already has that four iron in the bag so we're going to say that he takes the driver in order to minimize his risk at having to use the seven iron to go into the green to almost maximize all the chances that he has to hit a 52 degree wedge into the green now mike is going to hit going to choose his last club and he had the choice between the five and the six iron last round really he's going to be in the same boat He's going to just pick the opposite, so he's either going to pick, so he's going to pick the six iron or the five iron. Now, since Dave doesn't have a club here, we're going to throw a little thing into the mix, and we're going to say that he's going to be able to choose uh, the golf bag. So basically, what this means is you're only going to have one set of clubs. So the other five, or the other two guys are going to have to carry their clubs, and Dave's going to get the bag to carry his. Dave can also pick the ball that he's going to use, so he can choose uh, a really high caliber ball, and then he can give a low caliber ball to his his plane mates. Unfortunately, Dave has only four clubs available to him, whereas Mike and Gary have five. However, Mike's Mike's bag which has the 60 degree 2 iron slash hybrid, 9 iron, 6 iron, and 5 iron. And Gary that has the putter, 52 degree 4 iron, 7 iron, and driver, aren't much of a threat compared to Dave's bag. So Dave has the 56 degree wedge. Dave has the 3 wood that he can use for putting. Dave has the 8 iron. He has the pitching wedge. And he also has the golf bag. So he doesn't have to worry about carrying any of his clubs. And really, I think Dave has the best bag here. I think, I think, like I mentioned, the three wood off the tee is is great. Like you're not giving up a whole lot of distance. You have you have all those short shots into the green covered. So even on on par five, if he's if he's hitting three wood, three wood, he's he might be getting to the green on. On the par threes, he's pretty much covered because he's got that eight iron for a longer shot. He's got the pitching wedge for the shorter shot. He's got that 56 degree wedge to, in case he gets short side, that he can still hit a flop shot and have it land close to the hole. So I think, I think Dave's in the best position here. But again, like this is just a, a great little thing to do with, uh, with your buddies if you're not able to play a, a full 18 or or even a full nine. Just have some fun with it. That's all what golf is, right? Is keeping the game fun, keeping it interesting, and really trying to trying to play your best. And one of the really cool things about this game is that it 
it forces you to one realize what your strengths are because you do want to play to your strengths and two it forces you to hit some shots that you're never you never practice and that's that's how you get better at golf is is hitting things that or trying new things hitting stuff that you don't don't really know how to do and you never know that this might be this might be something that you you do on a daily basis do weekly with your with your buddies and have a good time with it now we're just going to do a little bit of a thought experiment so you're going to be in the position of a pga tour and i want you to comment what you would do in this scenario so if you were playing in the pga championship next week and you were and you had the option to play in the AT&T Byron Nelson. Would you play the week before? I know Phil was a huge proponent of that. Uh, before he won the British Open, he won the Scottish Open. However, not a lot of people like to do this. And I understand why. Because you want to be focusing on what, what, what your goal is. Whereas... The Byron Nelson probably isn't the goal for people that are contending in the PGA. They want to be focused on that. However, there's something that needs to be said about pressured practice and learned practice. And you know, when you're just practicing at at uh, Kiowa, you might not have that same pressure as if you were coming down the stretch at 18 on Sunday at the Byron Nelson. So really being familiar in those winning scenarios is probably going to be more beneficial than to practicing as long as you're taking time off in the weeks before to learn the course and see how it's playing. Because you're going to have the three days leading up to the tournament in order to look at the greens. You can study tee sheets in, in your off days. You can study uh, pin placements. I just think that playing golf competitively is probably the best practice but again everyone's different thank you for listening to the first episode of on the lungs podcast if you like what you heard don't forget to press subscribe and like the video check back with us next week as we cover all the storylines following the pj championship as well as tee up the next pj tour event in the charles Schwab championship and any other PGA Tour storylines or golf storylines. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.